BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. to the Infinite Spark of Being podcast. My name is Keith Welsh. In this episode, I'm going to talk about belief. Um, before that, go to theinfinitesparkofbeing.com if you'd like to continue to support this effort of mine. I've recently updated Patreon to include a third tier, which would be um, a monthly uh, online satsang um, hosted by me, uh, facilitated by me through Google Meet. Um, you don't have to have a Gmail address to use it. Uh, if you're in that tier of Patreon, you will get a link uh, each month to um, to join. Uh, it's going to be at 8 p.m. second Saturday, or I'm sorry, the first the first Wednesday. Damn, getting all my things confused. The first Wednesday of every month at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, United States. Uh, yeah, and we're gonna. Um, the first hour will be a teaching where I will uh, express something to you. And then the second hour will be question, answer, discussion. You know, uh, how you feel about it, what do you think about it, or anything you want to talk about, questions, whatever. Um, Yeah, there's also the books are for sale still. Uh, Third book is on its way. I am, I know I keep saying this. I'm so close. I really am, I promise. Uh, And yeah, yeah. There's the t-shirts, uh, been updating the store, going to get the new old store, uh, set up again, the new old store, the old store. Let me make sure this didn't, I think, feel like it just moved. Um, so anyway, okay. Belief, um, beliefs. All right. Remember for something to be objectively true, uh, objectively real, I feel like this thing is up. All right. <laughs> be objectively true, objectively real. There has to be, um, it has to be free of opinions, preferences, and tastes. So are beliefs objectively true? Um, I do not feel as though my beliefs are true objectively. I believe that they're true to me as needed. Um, this is a concept within chaos magic where, um, we kind of believe something as needed, um, believe something about ourselves, about the universe, what have you, as needed, adopt some sort of belief as needed. I often think of beliefs as these non-quantifiable thought exercises, right? Um, Beliefs are crazy. 
uh, and they don't have to be true, but we should have fun with them. If I need my belief to be objectively true, not only for me, but for everybody else, then we have a problem. And that's when all the fighting starts, right? Um, So um, when it comes up the most is when we're talking about, well, from my point of view, my I did the episode on my limiting beliefs about myself. Um, you know, I have a lot of them. And, uh, you know, I've, I've often, you know, talked to people about cultivating, like, mantras around the characteristics they would like to see in themselves, around the way they would like to view the world. And um, I did that for myself for a long time. And it's been very effective, but I will say the mantras I had made for myself, um, how do I say that? Sometimes we're too close to our own shit to see it. So somebody has to point it out to us. Um, and that's what's happened recently, um, you know, uh, my girlfriend had created a list of affirmations for me that she saw in me as stuff that are, you know, that if you had asked me about each, like, if you'd asked me about them as topics, I'd be like, oh, of course I believe that. Of course I don't believe that. Of course I do believe this. But I didn't act as if, and we all know that that's the, the missing component, right? Is the action. That's why cognitive behavioral therapy is a thing, right? That's why karma is a thing. It's, it's CBT or CBT is karma rather that, that how we act and our intention in things is really part of the problem. And so lately I've been very, um, aware of my intentions. Why am I doing things? Am I doing things out of fear? Am I doing things out of the feeling of lack out of a poverty mindset. Uh, she's really helped me kind of um, hone in on some of that stuff because, you know, uh, first of all, she's somebody who has no problem telling me really about myself, which is uh, helpful. <laughs> um, it's been very helpful, actually, and um, very transformative in a lot of ways. But uh, some of the things that are on that list, you know, uh, I don't believe them about myself yet. So I tend to act as if I do believe it, Uh, recite it anyway, right? I do it right before bed in the morning and once in the middle of the day. That's the the prescription. Um, That's the practice. Some of them I'm going to incorporate in my um, other daily practice. But uh, yeah, so, but when you hear some of these things, like say you want to believe something about yourself and you hear, it's like if someone, if you were like an unreliable person and you're like, I am, and you wanted to be more reliable, right? So you say, I am a reliable, trustworthy person that experiences a life of blah, blah, blah. Um, But you don't believe it. And maybe you don't believe it because you've let so many people down in the past. But, you know, not to, you know, not give those people the dignity of their experience of you being unreliable. But at the same time, 
where are we starting from? Are we starting from right now? You know? Um, so you have to act as if. The belief in your own reliability is not going to be able to, to, until you are reliable, it's not going to be an objective thing. It's just, you know, it's the past um, and it's complicated and whatever. But um, there's a statement uh, in this list of affirmations that it's not that I don't believe it. It's that it just... I don't know. It's hard to explain. But I'm working on the belief. You know, to believe that that is true. Because if I believe that it's true, I will act as if it's true. If I act as if it's true, I will begin to experience it. That's what I know for a fact. It's worked with everything else. Why wouldn't it work with this, right? So, you know, for instance, look at, let's look at a belief in God. So many times people need to try to prove God. They try... I was listening to a podcast recently and this guy is trying to prove the existence of God through science and physics. Like, just shut the fuck up. Just fucking enjoy God as a concept if you have to. You know, and, and uh, God is a difficult one, right? Source is a difficult one. You know, to explain the the omnipresence of that thing. I think, well, first of all, I think the word omnipresence explains God very well. You know, within and without. You know, it's the as above, so below, as within, so without. Right? That God is a presence in the world. You know, and you, know, you don't experience it. I think it's kind of like, you know what it is? It's like, um, I felt this way when it came to Dzogchen or non-duality, Advaita Vedanta, whatever terminology we're using. At first, you have to think of it as a concept. It's a thought exercise, and you can't prove it. Let's, how about you don't have to prove it, right? I don't think that, you know, whether you can or not, I mean, people just, I don't know, watch a YouTube documentary and then decide that something's real, but or the person that made the documentary thinks that they've just shown without a shadow of a doubt that something is real. But um, non-duality for me has been something that started off very much as a thought exercise. It's something to think of. It's an intellectual exercise. And you work with things like transmutation, you, you, you know, to project onto others this feeling for me of like mother, father, you eventually get to a non-dualist place. You begin to eventually experience non-duality. And maybe you experience it as a subjective experience, which obviously you do, but it doesn't make it less of an experience. It doesn't have to be real for everybody else. There ha- doesn't have to be a scientific explanation in order for you to love it, enjoy it, experience it, and have it change your life. Um, you know... 27 years ago when I was told that if I chanted Hare Krishna every day for 30 days my life would change that sounds like you know some late night infomercial from the 90s but I did I did chant it for 30 days Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I do chant it. And yes, my life did change in 30 days. And yes, my life has continued to change. So the thing with this belief, like let's think about rituals, rituals, God, all of it, your belief in your own reliability, your whatever the thing is, like let's look at a ritual. It's not the ritual itself that, that has the magic. It's your belief in the ritual. It is your actual connection to the creative force of the universe that charges that ritual up and makes it work. It's your own magic. The ritual isn't magic. You are. Um, it's not the. It's not. It's not your belief, and it's. It is the belief in the ritual, but that is coming from you. You know, uh, that's been my experience with rituals, with uh, sadhana. You know, um, that my belief in it changed it. And that means that, that I'm that source of that magical energy. And if I am the source of that magical energy, I've got to get it from somewhere. And it's probably because I'm part and parcel of that thing, which is because we can tap into it. People do it all the time. You know, I think that, um, it's interesting when we, like we see people that pull off something crazy and they're like, yeah, I just knew I could do it. There was just no doubt in my mind. I don't know how many times I've heard people say that. It's like, well, you know, so when it comes to ritual, it's your belief in the ritual that makes it work. It's not the ritual itself. It's your belief, your, your connection to the creative force of the universe, right? Then when we start to look at something like God, God your belief in it separate from you as this thing to be worshipped and praised, etc. Well, it's, it's, it's not. It's the same thing as the ritual. It's not God itself that's so powerful. It's the fact that you are God that's so powerful. That you are connected. You're part and parcel to that thing that is that, that thing, you know. Um, I just moved behind uh, behind a truck with some things sticking out of it and this is like a final destination moment and I don't know if this is me filming the moment that one of these things goes right through my skull um it'd be weird if I said it maybe it's my belief in final destination I don't know um but anyway, back to belief, non-quantifiable thought exercise. It's not your, it's not the ritual itself. It is the belief in the ritual. It is not God itself. It is the belief in God, which, 
you know, it's like, it's not the prayer, it's your belief in the prayer, in, in which, which is you. Your belief is you. That's you charging this thing. That's you powering it. And that's coming from you. You know, if it was the ritual, if it was the object, if it was simply the, the mantra, the prayer, or whatever, then that would mean that anybody could just do it and it would work. If it was the Maha Mantra itself, that means anybody could chant that and it would work. But to be honest, it was probably, and it, it is my belief, which is me, which is the thing that I'm chanting to, which is, it's some people believe that these mantras turn on or unlock those pieces that you're, of you that are kind of laying dormant. The Ramayana is filled with everyone losing touch with their own divinity. Ram not knowing that he's God. Hanuman not knowing that he's... Well, for me, first of all, Hanuman is, is an avatar of Shiva, so they don't even mention that in Ramayana, but the, oh, they do mention that he's a son of the, the wind god Vayu. But he has these strong yogic abilities that he's forgotten about because he was cursed. And Jambavan, the bear king, I love the name Jambavan, he, uh, he reminds him. I think that also depends on which translation. But whatever. The, the point is, is that Hanuman has abilities he's forgotten and Ram has a divinity that he's complete, for, completely forgotten about. And only through the trouble of the demon king Ravana the Rakshasa demon king Ravana, only through his presence do any of these things get realized. In fact, at the end of the battle, once Ram has killed Ravana, Ram opens up a letter from Ravana. Ravana gives him this letter before they fight, or he has it sent to him. He says, don't open it till the battle's over. And right there, that there's already the, the foreshadowing that Ravana knows he's going to die. He knows he's going to die at the hands of Ram. So Ram fights. Ram opens the letter. And there it is. Ravana calling Ram Vishnu, Narayan. He refers to Sita as Lakshmi. He, he starts calling them both by their divine names. Turns out the demon king was the only one that knew everybody was special. Right? And it turns out at the end of the Ramayana that the whole Ramayana, uh, Ravana's antics, was just a big bhakti yogic practice to get to God. You know? So, it's not the ritual, it's not the thing that you believe in that's so powerful, it's your belief. You as this power station, this thing that is pulsating this, this energy. It's you. It's not, it's nothing else. It's not that rock in your pocket. It's your belief in that rock, right? There's, there's a, there's a, a story in Buddhism that I can't recall the details, but I can, I can recall it a little bit better from the Catholic tradition. And I believe that it's in that uh, Jack Cornfield retells it and um, after the ecstasy, the laundry. But there's these two brothers. They're monks and they live on this island and they've been 
you know, doing their prayers and all this stuff. And the art, the local archbishop finds out and he, uh, he, uh, wants to meet them because he's heard about all the work they've done, the spiritual work. And so he, uh, he has somebody row him to this island. The guy rows and rows and rows, takes him to the island and he meets these two brothers and oh my God, they're ecstatic to see the archbishop. Holy shit. Oh my God. And so the archbishop says, so what have you been doing? What does your practice look like? And the brothers show him all of a sudden they say, I've been saying this prayer, this prayer. And the archbishop goes, oh no, oh no, you've been doing this all wrong. And the brother's like, what? He goes, yeah, yeah, you're not supposed to do it that way at all. So the archbishop, quote unquote, corrects the brothers and teaches them the quote unquote right way to do it. So they thank the archbishop. Oh my God, thank you so much for correcting us. We're so ignorant. We're so stupid. Blah, 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 blah. Archbishop, yeah, it's no problem. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. So he gets back in the boat and they're rowing. He's the guy's rowing the archbishop back to land. And they see these two lights bouncing on the water. And the archbishop goes, do you see that? I was like, yeah, I see it. And they notice it's the two brothers. They're running on the surface of the water, holding these lanterns, running after the boat. And they said, wait, wait, wait. What were those two prayers? Because we don't want to continue to do it bad. We, we forgot, you know, um, we forgot what you said. So you end up with these two brothers with these extraordinary powers of walking on water, you know, that are then corrected by the archbishop. But the reality is that the reason they obtained the city or the power was because of their belief in the practice that they were performing. It wasn't the practice itself. It was their belief in it. It's interesting. Um, so belief, uh, think of it as a non-quantifiable thought exercise. Uh, it's, that's not to dismiss our beliefs and things. It's just saying, hey, you know, it's you, right? It's you. And it, it, the rituals help. The things help. They do. They are the requisite stimulus that flips the switch within us that allows us to access our full potential. So... Uh, if you'd like to continue supporting this, go to theinfinitesparkofbeing.com. Um, go to Patreon for the $1 a month support donation, the $5 a month kindness donation, and the $10 a month online satsang on the first Wednesday of every month. The first one will be August 2nd. Uh, they will be at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, if you have questions or comments, you can always reach out. You can email me. You can DM me on Instagram there. Um, I hope this was helpful. I hope that you benefited from it. Um, and uh, I will uh, talk to you later. All right. I love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.